Our opening words this morning come from three authors and thinkers and their wisdom on story. You don't just have a story. You are a story in the making. And you never know what the next chapter is going to be. That's what makes it exciting. Dan Millman. A story should have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but not necessarily in that order. John Luke Goddard. If you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, on where you stop your story. Orson Welles. I invite you now to enjoy and share in our opening music from Leah and Tom.
Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Melissa Sinclair. I'm the Director of Lifelong Learning. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm so glad to have you this morning. Visitors and guests, I hope you got your blue name tag so that we know who you are and we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love talking about our community and what makes it important to us. Join us after platform service for coffee and cookies in the lobby and social hall. And please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet in your program so that we can add you to our mailing list. You can drop it in the collection box when it goes around later in the platform service. I want, you all, I want to remind you all to silence your electronic devices so that you can be fully present with us this morning. And now I'd like to invite Christina Kachoulis to come forward and to read our statement of purpose this morning so we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. If you are new to our community of children and adults, we warmly invite you to join us as we work for a world where love and justice crosses all borders. Christina lights our candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. So Christina is lighting the candle today in part because she is moving to St. Louis. I know. <laughs> And we're excited for her and excited for St. Louis and sad for us. And so I want to invite you, typically we do this at the end of someone's kind of final day with us, but Christina's actually ushering today on her final day, so she'll be out counting money at the end of the platform service. So I want to just invite us to sing her on her way to St. Louis, um, singing a song that many of you may remember. We used to sing it to our children. So you've got your tissues, that's good. <laughs> We're all set. I've got my tissues. We're going to be fine. The tune is Frere Jacques. come back and visit. Thank you, Christina. I know you'll want during coffee hour to give Christina an extra hug. Every week we ring a bell in solidarity with people around the world, particularly those who are experiencing violence or loss or sorrow. This week, I particularly hold in my heart Michael Brown, who was killed five years ago this week, and whose death in many ways sparked some of the work in the movement for black lives. And also all of those who are already gathering downtown to witness against white supremacy in all of its forms, 
and will continue to do so today. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and to the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love.
And if I swallow anything evil, put your finger down my throat. If I shiver, please give me a blanket. Keep me warm. Let me wear your coat. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be such a sad man behind blue Yeah, thank you for that spell you just cast so beautifully. It's good to have you with us. Well, it is good to be back with all of you. Some of you know that I am uh, back after a six-week sabbatical, which um, was wonderful. I spent time visiting with family uh, and hearing family stories. One of the things I wanted to do was to hear the stories of my family from different people. Because, at least in my family, and perhaps in yours, and perhaps actually in literally every family made up of human beings, family stories sound different depending on who is telling them. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And in fact, the stories of our own lives, the stories that we tell ourselves, can sound different day to day or week to week depending on how we are feeling. We might tell a story as a tragedy or as a comedy or something in between. You know the old phrase, you're going to laugh about it someday, and then it sort of depends how long is it going to take until it's a laugh about story, right? We might at any given time see ourselves as the villain in the story or the hero or the victim or maybe just the person who's watching as the story unfolds, happening to someone else. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about all of that, about family stories and our own stories and how we tell stories and who we are in stories. And to do that today in some silly, goofy ways, and then also, I hope, in some deeper ways a little bit later on. But I thought we would start with a fun story, a story that I think you know, probably um, you might not know. So I was hoping <coughs> Melissa and Indara will help me to tell that story. They're going to go over to the, um, to the podium and um, to tell a, a brand new story, a story you're probably not familiar with. Sure, a story sounds great. So the story is the story of the three little pigs. Oh. Amanda, we know that story. We know the story of the three little pigs. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Do we all know the story of the three little pigs? Yeah. Right. So the main line is like, they huffed, and he huffed, and he puffed, and he Yeah, I'm pretty sure they know it. Yeah, yeah. well, well. See, that's one way to tell that story. But it is not the only way to tell it. In fact, I have it on good authority that there is an entirely different way to tell that story, and I have heard it directly from someone who was there. There is an important book 
by A. Wolf. So here is how he tells the story. Everybody knows the story of the three little pigs, or at least they think they do. But I will let you in on a little secret. Nobody knows the real story because nobody has ever heard my side of the story. <laughs> do you know this one? I'm the wolf, Alexander T. Wolf. You can call me Al. I don't know how this whole big bad wolf thing got started, but it is wrong. Maybe it's because of our diet. It's not my fault that wolves eat cute little animals like bunnies and sheep and pigs. That's just the way we are. If cheeseburgers were cute, folks would probably think that you were big and bad too. <laughs> but like I was saying, this whole big bad wolf thing is all wrong. The real story is about a sneeze and a cup of sugar. This is the real story. Way back in Once Upon a Time time, I was making a birthday cake for my dear old granny. Oh, oh. <laughs> I had a terrible sneezing cold. I ran out of sugar. So I walked down the street to ask my neighbor for a cup of sugar. Now this neighbor was a pig, and he wasn't too bright either. He had built his whole house out of straw. Can you believe it? I mean, who in his right mind would build a house of straw? Of course, the minute I knocked on the door, it fell right in. I didn't want to just walk into someone else's house, so I called, little pig, little pig, are you in? No answer. I was just about to go home without the cup of sugar for my dear old granny's birthday cake. <laughs> That's when my nose started to itch. I felt a sneeze coming on. Well. I huffed, and I snuffed, and I sneezed a great sneeze. Achoo! And you know what? That whole darn straw house fell down. And right in the middle of the pile of straw was the first little pig, dead as a doornail. He had been home the whole time. It seemed like a shame to leave a perfectly good ham dinner lying there in the straw. <laughs> Recycle, reuse. So I ate it up. Think of it as a big cheeseburger, just lying there. I was feeling a little bit better, but I still didn't have my cup of sugar, so I went to the next neighbor's house. This neighbor was the first little pig's brother. He was a little smarter, but not much. He had built his house of sticks. I rang the bell on the stick house. Nobody answered. I called, Mr. Pig, Mr. Pig, are you in? He yelled back. Go away, wolf. You can't come in. I'm shaving the hairs on my chinny-chin-chin. I had just grabbed the doorknob when I felt another sneeze coming on. I huffed and I snuffed. I tried to cover my mouth, but I sneezed a great sneeze. Achoo! And you're not going to believe it, but this guy's house fell down just like his brother's. When the dust cleared, there was the second little pig, dead as a doornail, wolf's honor. <laughs> now, you know food will spoil if you just leave it out in the open. So I did the only thing there was to do. I had dinner again. Think of it as a second helping. I was getting awfully full, but my cold was feeling a little bit better, and I still didn't have that cup of sugar for my dear old granny's birthday cake. 
So I went to the next house. This guy was the first and second little pig's brother. He must have been the brains of the family. He had built his house of bricks. I knocked on the brick door. No answer. I called, Mr. Pig, Mr. Pig, are you in? And do you know what that rude little porker answered? Get out of here, woof. Don't bother me again. Talk about impolite. He probably had a whole sack full of sugar, and he wouldn't give me even one little cup for my dear, sweet old granny's birthday cake. Aww. What a pig. <laughs> I was just about to go home and maybe make a nice birthday card instead of a cake when I felt my cold coming on. I huffed, and I snuffed, and I sneezed once again. Then the third little pig yelled, And your old granny can sit on a pen. Oh. Well, now I am usually a pretty calm fellow, but when somebody talks about my granny like that, I go a little wild. When everyone else arrived, of course I was trying to break down this pig's door. And the whole time I was huffing and puffing and sneezing and making a real scene. The rest, as they say, is history. Talk about death and everything in between like it's nothing and the words are easy you talk about me talk about you and everything I do like it's something that needs repeating I don't need an alibi oh, for you to realize the things we left unsaid are only taking space up in our head. Make it my fault when the game point the finger, paste the blame. It does me up and down. It doesn't matter now because I don't care if I never talk to you again. This is not about emotion. I don't need a reason not to care what you said or what happened anyway this is my interpretation and you you don't exist the first two weeks turn into ten i hold my breath and wonder when it will happen does it really matter if half of what you said is true and half of what I didn't do were different? Would that make it better? If we forget the things we know, would we find somewhere to go? The only way is down, and I can see that now. I don't care if I never talk to you again. This is not about emotion. I don't need a reason not to care what you say or what happened anyway. This is my interpretation and you don't exist. It's not much of a talk 
to you again. This is not about emotion. I don't need a reason not to care what you said or what happened anyway. This is my interpretation and you. It don't have to make no sense to you at all cause this is my interpretation, yeah. think now that you know the real story? Definitely different that way, like really different that way. Yeah, different story because there's a different storyteller. Obviously the real story, according to the wolf, is about architectural design and taking Theraflu when needed. Sometimes it's hard to tell what exactly the real story is. Some of you know that one of the things I like to learn about and study is a field called family systems, which is just a way of looking at how the world works. And one of the things it teaches us is that we need to know our family members. They're very clear that we don't have to like them all, Hugh, but we do have to know them all. And one of the ways to get to know family members is to ask them their stories. So I wondered, if any of you have stories in your families that people would tell differently, maybe not quite as differently as the wolf and the three little pigs, but I wonder if you'd like to turn to your neighbor, whether it's someone in your family, perhaps you could locate the stories you would tell differently right now with the person next to you, or someone you've never met before, and share a story that's told a couple of different ways in your family.
As you may have noticed, we seem to have temporarily mislaid the lovely wooden mallet with which we typically beautifully ring our chime. So I have a Sharpie today. Someday we'll laugh about this. Apparently, actually, that day is today. So it sounds as though some of you, at least, had some stories that were told differently, depending who in your family was telling that story. And the thing is, what I have learned is that hearing the stories from as many people as possible is one way to learn the richness and depth of that story itself. I spent a fair amount of time with my parents over this vacation. And you know it's always funny as an adult to go back and spend time with your parents. My parents still haven't like, realized I'll eat zucchini now, you know, because I didn't eat zucchini when I was 12. And so every time it's served, they'll say, oh, but Amanda won't have any zucchini. Uh, you know, oh, thanks. I'm like in middle age now. I can handle zucchini on my plate. It's OK. <laughs> You'll take the zucchini. There you go, Caleb wants the zucchini. Oh, look at that, wonderful child zucchini eaters. Maybe it's from hanging out with you that I've been able to eat zucchini, you've taught me. And I've also had the opportunity to tell my parents my, some of my memories of my childhood and notice how they do or don't connect with their memories of my childhood whether we think they are the same. And I don't know about you, but some of the most intense um, conversations I have with my parents are when those stories disagree, right? When we have different memories or different interpretations of the same experience. But really, the more we listen to Aunt Betty's version and Aunt Joe's version of the story, the richer our understanding of the whole system can be. We aren't, however, just listeners of other people's stories, right? We are also storytellers ourselves, just like the wolf and the three little pigs. We can change how we understand ourselves and the life that we have by changing how we tell the story about our lives. There's actually, for the grown-ups here, a whole uh, section of therapy called narrative therapy, which uses storytelling as a technique to help us understand and reimagine ourselves and our lives. Sometimes we have a tendency to cast ourselves in the same role in our stories. I don't know if you have noticed that. We're always the hero of every story we tell. Or we're always the victim of every story we tell. Maybe sometimes we're always the villain of the stories. Narrative therapy and storytelling in general teaches us to see other ways to tell the stories of our lives, our own stories, to understand them differently. About eight years ago, I did a platform here where I used one of my favorite kind of inspirational texts for how to reimagine yourself and your own story. It's the Pout Pout Fish. It wasn't a multi-gen platform. It was purely for adults. You might be familiar with the Pout Pout Fish. How many of you have the Pout Pout Fish at home, that storybook, yeah? So it's about a fish with a really pouty, sad face. 
and all his fish friends come and try to cheer him up over days and weeks and months and years. And he says, well, I can't cheer up. I'm a pout-pout fish. You know, my face is just built like that. It's like resting pout-pout face. <laughs> and so I have to be sad. I can't be happy because I'm a pout-pout fish. And one by one they try, and one by one they fail. Until uh, a little silver swimmer fish comes up and finds him and plants a kiss right on his lips. Now, we're going to assume that he welcomed that kiss with enthusiastic consent <laughs> and that she checked first, right? So she checked first. He said yes. Then she kissed him. And all of a sudden, he realized that his lips, which he thought were shaped like pout-pout lips and meant he had to be sad all the time, were actually kiss-kiss lips. They were perfect for kissing, and his whole understanding of himself turns around. He says at the end, I'm a kiss-kiss fish with kiss-kiss lips. And they go on happily, I assume, and enthusiastically consenting to kissing for the rest <laughs> of their lives. I wonder if there are stories about yourself that might take a little reimagining. And I want to invite you this time not to turn to your neighbor, but rather to turn inward. Close your eyes if you'd like. Just call to mind some story that you are a player in right now in your life. Some role you are playing in a story as it unfolds. Think about what that role might be. How are you telling that story to yourself and to others? And now imagine how might you tell the story differently? What might be a different role you could play? that might lead to a different ending, or beginning, or middle. You can open your eyes, but I encourage you to keep thinking about that story throughout the day. Adrian Marie Brown is the author of Emergent Strategy, which is a book I highly recommend to you. It's been a companion for me over the last um, six weeks. And she writes about a, a number of things there about how we can follow sort of the lead of nature in accepting and welcoming change and moving interdependently and cooperatively with each other. But she has one story in there that really struck me because it's a story that I live all the time. She was on her way to facilitate an important conference and she had put the address in her GPS and she was worried she might be late but she thought she had planned enough time She's often late, and she, she doesn't like that about herself. It's part of who she sees herself as, and she's trying to work against it. So she'd given herself plenty of time, put it in the GPS, travels along. The GPS said it was going to take an extra half hour than she had thought it would, but she thought, well, that's okay. I've set enough time. There must be bad traffic. And she kept driving and wasn't encountering traffic, and then felt like she was going to a different part of Boston than she had expected to go to for this conference, and pulled up in front of the supposed hotel where the conference was being held, and it was a 
small single-family home in the suburbs. There were two Brook Streets or whatever it was. Have you ever put the wrong address for something in your GPS? And because the GPS obviously knows everything, you just follow it right along, right? You just keep, it tells you to turn and you think this is weird, but it must know something I don't know. Waze is really smart and so off you drive. So she arrived and put the real address in her GPS and discovered that she was going to be 30 minutes late to the conference that she was leading. And she had that moment of panic, right? You have been there, perhaps, and she thought, I'm a terrible person, I'm always late for everything, this is just who I am, and I messed up again, what am I going to do? I don't know if you have ever told that story to yourself. <laughs> and then she thought, it is possible that spending the next half hour of driving to the conference thinking about what a terrible person I am and how I'm late to everything is not going to prep me to be the best conference leader when I arrive. And so instead, she took a breath and she changed the story. She said, I'm going to take this time to drive and to think about the way that nature is unexpected, <laughs> gives us opportunities to grow and adapt to circumstances that are beyond our control gives us opportunities to make mistakes and mess up and try again. And I'm going to breathe so deeply and fully that by the time I get to the conference, I'm going to be the most grounded, half-hour late person you ever met. And so that's what she did. She drove to the conference in its actual location. She breathed deeply and thought incredible, amazing thoughts the whole way, because she's Adrian Marie Brown, and that seems to be what she does all the time. And by the time she got there, she was deeply grounded, walked in, ready to laugh at this mistake, and found that all of the participants were half an hour late. And so they were, in fact, on time, beginning the conference together. I loved that story and the way she reclaimed the narrative in that moment. There's one more story that I wanted to share because sometimes we find ourselves caught in a story that is bigger than we are, right? It's not just a story about us and the people that we know and personally love. It's not just a story about our friends and our family, but it might be a story about the world around us or the country that we live in, right? The state of the world. And sometimes part of what we need to do is figure out what role we're going to play in that kind of story. Are we going to be the watcher who just sees the story, or are we going to be one of the people that takes action in the story? And that always makes me think of one of my great heroes. So he went to Hogwarts. <laughs> he was friends with Ron and Hermione. You know who I'm talking about, right? Neville Longbottom! Did you get it, Abby? You were so smart. Neville Longbottom, who starts out the Harry Potter series. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but you really should have read it by now. <laughs> starts out the Harry Potter series as the weird, goofy guy who loses his toad, right? He's never got his toad with him. It's always in the next train car. He never has his classwork done. It's always messed up. He never gets good grades. Neville Longbottom seems like he's going to be a funny sidekick in the story that unfolds around him. But as we go through those books, as 
Neville and Harry and Ron and Hermione and all of the others get older and more involved in the story that is unfolding around them, a story of the forces of good and evil, a story of people that have choices to make to bring goodness into the world. It turns out that goofy, weird Neville Longbottom is the hero that changes the whole story right at the end. When I think about being one of those heroes in the Harry Potter series, I don't hope to be Harry Potter because I know I'm not that amazing. I wasn't chosen with the special scar. I do sometimes hope to be Mrs. Weasley because I feel like she manages a family and also kind of really kicks some, yeah, you said it. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say it here because it's the kids. But I also want to make sure I remember I can be Neville Longbottom. That at the times when I feel like I don't have a hero's role in this story, which is so big and so overwhelming, to look for the ways to show up in solidarity with my companions and compatriots, to show up and choose goodness in the world. Stories are happening all around us and in us, within us and between us. And we get choices. We get choices about where to end the story, as the quote Indara shared with us this morning said. Whether the story has a good ending or not depends on where you end it. We have choices about whether to be the hero or the victim or the villain or all three sometimes. We have choices about how we tell the stories and how we hear the stories, how many different stories we gather in our listening selves. May we create stories together that are the way we hope the world will work.
you so much as always, beautiful. I'm always impressed. Um, this is the time when we share reflections on platform, what we heard that really resonates with us. I will be bringing the microphone around. Please raise your hand and begin by sharing your first name. And think about, is there something that you would like to share once you've reflected upon it? Maybe there was a story where you were trying to be a hero. 